0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Put Yourself First podcast and welcome to my friend and like long time coming guest but also like first guest in ages so like very excited to be having a conversation with someone rather than just chatting to myself (laughs) for, for a change. It's Vivian, my lovely friend, amazing health coach and yeah we're gonna have some like I think I feel like so many women listening are gonna find this conversation such a permission slip, so validating, so helpful. So thank you for well, being thank here. Thank you.
1: I feel honored. <laughs> and we're doing a little podcast swap. So we're back to back recording today. You're gonna be on my show. And yeah, I just feel like we I, I think we found each other through Monica Yates' work initially. Yeah. And then I realized I was like, oh, she's a fellow Northern gal because there's people from like all over the world on that. And so it's like, I feel like I like her vibe, I like what she's into. And then I just carried on following you. I was like, oh, you live down the road like 30 minutes away. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know. I always love connecting with a fellow Northern gal. And I think. When when we reconnected earlier this year, we just ended up like I feel like I was watching your stories, you were watching mine, and we just kept replying to each other and yeah. we were just like should we go have a lunch? Yeah. And I loved that as well because I I said to Adam I was like I don't feel like I've made a new friend in years, and I feel like I've just made a new friend and I'm meeting Aww, her. And that's she lives- so cute.
1: <laughs> I do feel like it's harder when you're I don't know if you agree like when you get older yeah. it was so much easier at school that I've lost touch with most of those friends Mm. so it's a bit more challenging to make friends when you're an adult but sometimes you have to just like do you want to be my friend
0: do you want to come for a coffee totally i feel like i went through an intense period of like actively right i will have more friends (laughs) when i was probably in my early 20s like between 22 to 25 maybe and oh and then I got to this place where I had these like beautiful, like really close, tight knit friends, and almost like went the other way where I was like, oh, I'm good now. (laughs) (laughs) I can be a bit of a not a hermit, but I can be a bit lazy with like networking or like, yeah, 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 but yeah, I'm glad that I found you. Yeah, me too. So I would love you to share a bit more about your health journey. Because I think it's easy, isn't it, to see someone who is a health coach and who is like absolutely thriving in their health and like has glowing skin and talks about all these cool like health. Uh, like I, I love when I when I came around to your house last week. You were like chatting to me about coffee enemas and <laughs> like all these health, all these health, health things. Yeah, like all these. As soon as you walk through the door. Like, okay, yeah. cat, sit down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's easy to see it's easy to see you now and think you've always been like that and you've always been a healthy person and had all these tips and known exactly what was happening in your body and been able to support yourself and that's obviously not been the case for you
1: gonna be further from the truth
0: so I think giving everyone a background on Where where you've come from with your own health is probably a great place to start. Do you want the long the
1: long version or the edited dome
0: I want whatever version you want to share today.
1: Oh, because there's some parts I don't think it's like hundred percent relevant, and I don't want to like talk about these more in depth things because some people's minds will be like, "Do I need to listen to that?" So this is just my journey and what worked for me. Is it gonna work for everyone? Um, but yeah I struggle with a lot of hormone problems Um, but then I later found out and I'll kind of bring this full circle but the hormone symptoms and the the conditions that I was diagnosed with like um, acne or hair loss like this special name telogen effluvium it was basically my hair was falling out because of because my body was so stressed and inflamed and I was diagnosed with PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome which is on the rise not just from better diagnosis either I feel like that's bit of a myth I feel like it is becoming more rampant as a most chronic health issues but I eventually found out that all of those things are still symptoms of a deeper problem I thought when I got those diagnoses that I would got the answer I was like oh I have PCOS that makes sense that's why I do have the acne and the hair loss and um, I'm sprouting like chin hairs every other day and it was actually because um, of much deeper problems so I thought I got the answers but it I'd had to do a lot more work and a lot more digging um, to discover what they were. So I always say that I was pretty healthy as a kid. But looking back now, there were definitely some issues. Like I was prone to nosebleeds quite a lot. I would have a lot of um, travel sickness and vomiting. uh, But in terms of food sensitivities and allergies and all of that, I was completely fine. I could eat anything and everything that I wanted to. And I didn't have the worst diet ever. But as I got older, as I got into like school years... I would frequently try to like sneak on the bus um, just to save the, the 50p at, at the time what it was just to get some like crisps after school um, or buy like a Lucasade the next day. So I just got a bit more unhealthy and I was doing like less sports when I left school and it did result in me just having less like muscle mass and I just had extra body fat at the time but I definitely wasn't overweight like I thought I was. I mm. found a picture a few years ago of it was the picture that I saw of myself where in the moment I was like that is disgusting I need to lose weight and it was a picture of like so happy on the beach in Florida um, with my brother and looking at it now there was nothing at all wrong with me um, I was completely healthy body weight but my teenage brain was like no I cannot look like that I need to start going to the gym so that's what I did I started going to the gym and I have a bit of a like obsessive personality so when i get into something i will like do it all day every day so i started going to the gym every single day back-to-back classes like body pump and abs and cardio and boxing fit all of that and i also started to try and eat healthy i i wasn't trying to intentionally under eat but the foods that i was eating just were very low calorie and very low protein and zero fats. all of these like snack snack um crisp like 100 calorie snack packs and to fuel myself after the gym I'd have a chicken salad with just iceberg lettuce and plain chicken and think that was enough so I ended up losing my period and I was about 18 at this point 17 18 and up until that I'd had a completely regular pain-free like zero problem period from the age of about 14 so that did set some alarm bells ringing And it was my mum, actually. She was more concerned about that problem. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I don't have a period. And Mm. I I knew that my body was trying to tell me something, but I was just so focused on the gym. I was getting so many more compliments. People saying I look so good. um, I was losing weight. But on the inside, I was an anxious mess. I started to develop skin issues. I lost my period. My hair started falling out. So for me, those other things were the, the... things that I was focused on, like the hair loss, the fact that my completely clear skin all throughout school started to break out. That was the thing that motivated me to go to the doctor, not the period stuff. But they diagnosed me with PCOS without asking any questions as to what has changed recently. Like, why did this happen? PCOS doesn't run in my family. I'd had hardly any doctor's visits up, to, up until that point. So if they would have just asked me, like, what has changed? How much are you exercising? Have you completely changed your diet recently? Maybe I could have realized then that that was the problem. But I just thought, I thought I'd the genetics this whole time and I just developed it randomly. Mm. I didn't even put two and two together at the time. I I didn't think that what I was doing was causing it. And actually the advice that they typically give for, for PCOS is to do that, is to exercise more and eat less. Mm. So if I would have yeah, followed the mainstream advice that was the complete opposite advice that I needed so I didn't do that because I, I was hardly eating anything at the time but the solution was to wait and see what happened which I wasn't going to do because I was just feeling worse and worse every month or option number two was to go on the birth control pill so I ended up choosing that one I di- I did actually feel at the time like it was pretty trendy to be on the pill which sounds very like very stupid now, but it's like oh, oh, I'm going on the pill. Like all of my friends are on it, and I feel like a proper woman. Like I'm on this medication, and um, these hormones. But that first pill like completely messed me up. In a couple of weeks, I had really bad depression from it, and my skin was worse, my hair loss was worse. Everything was just amplified, and I was trying to persevere and push through it because I was like, no, this is gonna fix me. This is fine. I just was not listening to my body. But again, my mum um the woman who knows everything still she was like this you need to come off this pill this isn't you you've gotten worse so she forced me to go back to the doctor and change the pill and i just went on a different type and this one was was more expensive for them so it wasn't the the typical one that they they would prescribe but it was like a newer form and the brand name was yasmin and there's another Mm. one like yaz now it's been I think it's been like discontinued because it's got black box warnings and tons of lawsuits. Been linked to blood clots. um I actually had a, I think I had a, a blood clot when I was on it. I, th- I had like a scare when I was abroad and I had this severe leg pain and my leg swelled up and I had really bad cramps. No, I know that that's a sign of a blood clot and with the pill that I was on at the same time, but. Sometimes that can travel into the pulmonary system, into the lungs and kill you. So that's what a lot of people died from. So I don't know what happened with myself, but that obviously didn't, that wasn't the case, but yeah, just really scary. And I was only on that second pill for two years and my health started to decline in other ways. At that point, my skin was clear. It it cleared up the breakouts, Um, my quote period, but it's not a period when you're on the pill, it's just a, a bleed. I was having a regular bleed and my hair loss it stopped falling out but it just never grew the whole time that I was on the pill i think i had in two years like two haircuts Um i hardly ever had to shave my legs um i didn't have to pluck my eyebrows my hair just didn't grow properly and yeah. i again thought that's i'd rather it be like that than falling out but i think other things just started to happen like more anxiety more food sensitivities and i just didn't feel like myself anymore And then I went to America when I was 19, so I thought everything was fine then, my main problems had stopped, but I continued with the excessive exercise and the dieting. Went to America when I was 19, working at a summer camp, and for that whole, was it like seven or nine weeks that I was there, I was trying to be healthy at the camp, which is pretty much impossible. All they feed you is pizza and chicken wings and pasta and all of this junk and I was trying to eat healthy. So I would just have oatmeal in the morning and I'd just have like a little bit of meat and chicken and some salad, uh, maybe a potato every now and again. And I just was doing even more activity because I was, I was over there being an aerobics and yoga instructor. And I was in the intense heat, the summer heat in Pennsylvania. And it was just really bad. And it was the recipe for adrenal problems and more hormone problems. And then when I got home oh, on that trip as well, I got like severe food poisoning a couple of times. I'm pretty sure I was bitten by a tick on that trip and later found out that I had Lyme disease after testing my own body because that would have never been picked up by the doctors either. So when I got home, that's when shit hit the fan and my health just declined rapidly. I was reacting to every food, couldn't even drink water without bloating up and i was i was still trying to eat healthy foods it wasn't like i wanted to eat mcdonald's or junk food just vegetables herbs and spices fruit would bloat me bloat me up and i'd have things like hives migraines um chronic fatigue um the skin issues started back up again and that's when i was like something is seriously wrong i went to see a nutritionist myself who works in manchester and she started to like open my eyes to this whole other world of natural medicine and healing and functional medicine and lab tests to, to see what's going on. And she taught me about the the harmful effects of the birth control pill and how that was just masking everything. So with her support, I ended up transitioning off that. My period didn't return for two years after that because of how many deficiencies I had and just how, disconnected my brain and hormone system was and I did lots of testing found out my thyroid was off I had severe nutrient deficiencies I had bacterial overgrowth yeast overgrowth to my gut I had two parasites that that came back on lab tests and I worked with her for a little bit and it definitely helped and I ended up studying um she ended up she was the, the college director at the time and I ended up studying at the College of Naturopathic Medicine because I was just obsessed with that. At that point, I was like, this is giving me hope. I, I really feel like this, is, it just made, made complete sense to me when I looked at it, how how food can heal you and how there's always answers. There's always a root cause. I was just getting nowhere with the conventional system. I would go with these severe digestive pains and I was losing weight rapidly at that point. I, I wasn't doing the dieting when I started to learn out about food healing you and all of that but I was losing weight then because my gut was just so messed up that I wasn't absorbing my food anymore and I went to the gastroenterologists and they were just so bad like I didn't even get any eye contact from them they would have sat at the desk backs turned to you you get five minutes with them he was calling me the wrong name the whole time and I told him how worried I was about my weight and how I was like I couldn't put on weight no matter how much I was eating, and he he did my BMI, which I think is another prop flawed system. And he was like, "Oh, your BMI is eighteen point five. You need to be less than eighteen to be considered underweight." I was like, "Well, I'm five foot eleven, and I'm about two stone lighter than I have been my whole life. This is a problem for me. I don't care what your your chart said, but he wasn't willing to give me any help. He would do a little." feel around on my abdomen and he um he was like can you stop breathing in and I wasn't it was just literally my ribs whether and I, I told him at the time I was like I've been researching I went in with a whole file of articles and research papers and book uh, books that I've been told to read and I was like I, I really feel like I have this bacterial overgrowth in my gut and I've done this private stool test and spent hundreds of pounds myself and this stool test is showing bacterial overgrowth um could I be referred for antibiotics because that is actually one of the the treatments it's it's just quick and effective to get rid of it and he said everyone has bacteria in the gut that's completely normal and I was like yes but it's it's overgrown that like the bad types of bacteria and it's in the wrong part of the gut so I just I just knew I wasn't getting anywhere and it was actually making me even more upset I would come out of every appointment in tears just so angry and so I just For a long time, I just swung the other way and I was just completely against the medical system. And I was like, I've had such a bad experience and I was so very pro like herbal medicine and getting your answers in that. I I have calmed down now and I've found a middle place because I've realized there's a time and a place for the surgical interventions, obviously. And the NHS is amazing for what we get, but it's also it's, it's failing and it's being abused a lot of the time and it isn't being used how it should be. It should be there for accidents, emergencies, life-saving treatments, but not these chronic lifestyle-driven conditions. And a lot of those can be prevented or even reversed with natural nutrition and all of that. So then I had been studying. So I studied for three years and the course was naturopathic nutrition. I learned so much on that too. I worked with other practitioners here and there, but I, I found that my own research was, was helping me more than what anyone else was saying because I was listening to my body, I was listening to myself and I'd work with someone for a little bit and find that I'd get to this like block and I just needed to go to the next level so I'd just go deeper and deeper. For the first few years I was just managing my symptoms very well. So I started to do these special diets and it would help my skin or it would help my bloating but as soon as I'd stray from that, my symptoms would come back. So I was like, "This isn't normal." I'm spending three hundred pounds a month on supplements, and i i have I'm feeling better. I know that it's working, but I feel like I it's just ban- it's like a Band-Aid at the moment. It's just keeping things simmering. So if I was to stay up late one night or have a glass of like gin and tonic, my symptoms would come back. So it's like this isn't normal. I'm not healed. I'm just doing really good at managing things right now. So. It wasn't until 2019, so I was about 24 or five at the time, when I was just getting, like, sick of it, honestly, because I'd been having health issues for about five years then. And I I was like, something deeper must be going on still. So I, I was just online, Googling, searching, like I used to do all the time. And I started hearing over and over again about toxic mold exposure. I was like, hmm, because it was telling me that these allergic reactions and sensitivities that I was having to all of these foods could be as a result of toxic mold in my home there was this was when I was living at home with my family and it's like a very old house and um, built in the Victorian times so or like 1800s or something it was built and there was no visible signs of mold but I just felt something inside again just tapping into my intuition I was like something kind of makes sense I'm going to look into this further and about three times that week, I heard people talk about mold. Whereas before that I'd never, maybe my reticular activating system wasn't switched onto it, but that week, and this has happened with like different books or podcasts or even things like the yes apply certification, which we've both done, like three people in the same week mentioned it. So I, I was like, I have to look into that. So the same thing happened with mold. I ended up going to a conference that talked a lot about toxic mold exposure and the health effects as part of that training we got a test to test our bodies and that test came back off the charts through the roof with so many of these like harmful mycotoxins which are mold toxins so then I I was already moving anyway so I was moving out into my first apartment in I was meant to be early 2020 but then it got delayed to summer because of COVID and everything and then it wasn't until I moved and I, I got out of that environment and I really started to work on detoxing that my health issues started to fully improve and not like just managing it really well like my body was truly healed and healthy at the cellular level but it's about three years later now and I still I'd say I'm 95 better with my symptoms but with how sick I was I do think it's it, it's normal for it to take time and that's a pretty realistic timeline for someone if they're struggling with like more complex cases like myself so when I said at the start that some of these more complex things like the Lyme disease the mold toxicity that would not be something that you would jump into straight away you would always do the foundational things like I did so some people with skin issues all they need to do is drink more water eat more fiber and they're good they just need to cut out the junk food but the we, the women that I work with, the people that I help now, that isn't them they're already doing everything right, and I want them to just know that there are other things that they can look into if they've done all those foundational things like the sleep, the stress management, the're moving the body, they're avoiding as many toxins as possible in the home. they're not using like toxic cleaning chemicals. If you've done all that and you're still sick, there are answers. but if you're listening to this and you're pretty new to the the health and nutrition world you would start with a lot of the basic stuff, which I can go more into today. But that's why I was saying my, my hormone problems, at, at first I was just doing things like seed cycling or I was mm. doing herbal medicine like Vitex or I was doing things to to drop my testosterone, my, my androgens, my male hormones that could be linked to PCOS. I was doing things to push that down. I was doing things to boost up my progesterone. But my own body should be able to have done that i I shouldn't need to interfere and kind of manipulate my body it should just be naturally healthy and i I do think we need like a couple of supplements anyway to keep us healthy because of food like deficiency in the soil and stress i think we all need like one or two things but the amount of products i was taking and i was still severely nutrient deficient and it's because i had to do all of this work on my gut so yeah that's I I qualified from um college in 2017 I've been practicing ever since started out my practice helping mainly just period problems women's health and then because of my own complexities it's gone a little bit deeper so I do help people with chronic fatigue and chronic skin issues now infertility um chronic pain all of that so it's it's kind of diversified a little bit more but yeah, I feel like my my journey put me on my path. And as hard as it was in those years, I don't regret it. And I learned so much. And before all of this, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I, I knew that I wanted to help people. I studied health and social care at college. I loved like at home being like the nurse when people were sick and going around and helping them. But I I wouldn't have known about all of this. I didn't even know this was a job. I have I thought there was a dietitian, and they just help people with diabetes in hospitals but mm. it's yeah honestly like my passion now and I just love spreading this knowledge with people and giving people hope if they are struggling with hormone problems or more complex situations
0: mm. yeah that was. was the long version <laughs> thank you for the long version I really enjoyed it <laughs> because I've obviously you know we've chatted Quite a bit this year, and like I've listened to your podcast and stuff, but I think it's really helpful to hear snippets and so much like so much of that. So much of the snippets in there I know are going to resonate with women listening, especially what you were saying around you know the healthcare system having a time and a place and how we are taught that it's like a pill for every ill so we are conditioned in society to think right something is wrong i need to make it not be wrong again mm-hmm. <laughs> like i need to make it go away yeah and we think of the, is the doctors fine. as being like these gods and
1: they have all the answers yeah. and if they can't yeah. help me then i'm just screwed i'm just gonna have to live with this Or the word is is gospel but yeah they're taught in a specific way they're taught to give you a diagnosis, and then give you a medication for that diagnosis. So whenever I brought up diet, I'd ask them directly, I'd ask dermatologists and gastroenterologists, so skin and gut specialists, I, I notice a difference when I eat dairy products, or I notice when I eat a takeaway I feel worse and they're like there is no they literally said there is no connection between your skin and your diet or your digestive issues in your diet I was like how does that even logically make sense mm. I would know as a kid like when I eat something bad my stomach hurts <laughs> so for them to say that I just think if they if they were just honest and said like we don't know we recommend you look into this yourself but the fact that they can be so against it and completely shut you down for you asking and just searching for answers i think that's the problem when they when i mentioned things like homeopathy they just completely close their ears because they, they've been taught that that is just like witchcraft and it's just a load of rubbish it's quackery it doesn't work and people are just conning you when in fact homeopathy has helped me a million times more than like true medications have
0: mm, yeah and is also like, well, why does your stomach hurt every time you eat dairy? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, fixing that problem, like, you know, it's like the same with gluten. I feel like gluten and dairy again are so like demonized in mm-hmm. health, like where it becomes trendy to, like, it's trendy to be vegan. It's mm-hmm. trendy to then be, you know, everyone's now having oat milk. Everyone's now doing whatever, but if something is genuinely causing you a problem, what I love about your approach is you're like, but why is it causing you a problem? Because it's one thing to be like celiac and like, or your body genuinely does not process gluten and you just genuinely feel better without it. But it's another that like, is it normal to have such severe reaction to something when seemingly you're not celiac or seemingly you know there's not an allergy there and so there's something underneath that like there's a reason that's happening rather than just like I guess the health and wellness version of a pill for every ill is like oh well just don't eat that and then magically like your life will be better and I just think we're sold either side of the equation like this extreme lifestyle change and what I love about what you share as well, and I've heard you say it on Instagram, is, you know, you shouldn't, you should not get to a point where you're, like, scared to eat, and you've got, like, you've got, like, a list of foods that you can eat that are, like, safe foods that aren't gonna make you bloated, or, like, you know, fuck up your period, or whatever is happening, you know, make you break out. There is, like, that happy medium in the middle, but unless we're asking the right questions we're not going to discover that and people aren't empowered to ask the right questions and even when they ask the right questions like in your example they're not given the fucking answer by the people who are supposed to be helping them with that yeah
1: and it really it's such a slippery slope as well when you start cutting out the foods yeah i think for acne and digestive issues they're the biggest ones because you might you might be reacting badly to dairy um, and you might get more bloating when you've had gluten and there is a time and a place for an elimination diet so if you are reacting sometimes we do have to cut it out temporarily but it should always be with the goal of trying to reintroduce it back in because
0: yeah
1: a healthy body should be able to tolerate a wide variety of foods if you think like imagine what we have, would have been eating hundreds of years ago we would have been like scavengers at one point just getting our hands on whatever we can we wouldn't have been like oh i can't eat that like i can only eat a small serving or i can only eat that every other day because we would have had to have a um, tolerance we we couldn't have been that sensitive to get to where we are today in humanity but there is definitely a case for food sensitivities and it's not it's not black and white what doctors believe you either have a gluten intolerance and you can never eat it again and you have celiac or an allergy or you're completely fine you can eat it whenever you want, there is this big gray area in the middle. And sometimes you do need, like I had to cut out um, gluten from my diet because I do notice a reaction. But previously when I w- would have eaten a small amount, I would have had joint pain. Like my, my fingers would have swel- swollen a little bit so I couldn't get my rings on. Um, I just had like knuckle pain. My knees would hurt. I would have anxiety the next day. So it doesn't always have to be, the typical symptoms we think of either like you'd have to have diarrhea diarrhea immediately after after having gluten you can have two days later a bit more anxiety or low mood or joint pain or um that month if you've eaten a lot of gluten your period could be really painful so it's it can be a delayed response so that's why it can be a bit more tricky to identify but in those cases i would still remove it from the gut remove it from the diet whilst working on the gut health so making sure that when we do it enter it back into the body it's in a different environment because if you just cut the food out and then just bring it back in to the exact same digestive tract when you've not done any work you're still going to have that same reaction it's like if nothing changes nothing changes so if you cut it out it does allow the the gut lining to start to heal a little bit um, and you can get rid of food sensitivities. Food allergies are slightly different. So these are the ones that are IgE reactions. Most people have had them since childhood or they're very obvious. You have the throat swelling and the the hives all over your face and the vomiting and severe pains. Whereas an intolerance or allergy, an intolerance or sensitivity, this is a more um a less severe, can be delayed reaction and it can manifest as skin issues itchy skin headaches migraines up to sometimes five days later after eating that food so in that case you would work on the underlying immune system problem because it's the immune system and the gut that's reacting to the food whilst removing it give it a few months and slowly bring it back into the gut and there are just some foods that people do feel better off so i don't have a gluten allergy but i do feel better not eating it on a regular basis but Now, when I have a little bit, I feel absolutely fine. I don't have any obvious reactions, but it's still not something that I would eat on a regular basis because I know that if I do start bringing it back in, um, combined with other stressors, so if I'm going through a stressful time or um, my hormones are a little bit off, then that extra gluten is just not going to be helpful to my body. So I just choose to keep it out just to stress my body a little bit less. Mm -hmm. So It's like a, a bit of a balancing act. Like when I was in Madeira, um, I went on like a hike and the, there was a woman in the, the little cafe, this Portuguese woman, and she was like offering everyone cookies. She didn't speak a word of English. And I had the cookie and I felt fine. And I wasn't going to panic and beat myself up or refuse if I didn't have if I, if I didn't have like an actual problem with it. And yeah, it was fine. But if I would have got into that thinking, what have I done? I shouldn't eat this. I'm going to feel so bad later. I probably would have done because I would have just brought that on because of mental stress. You can definitely send yourself into a reaction, but you can also do the same. You can also go into that mindfully with gratitude and positive energy and really savor that cookie and enjoy yourself and tell yourself when you're eating it, my body accepts this food. My body knows what to do. My body is resilient. My body is healthy. So I do a lot now with like mindset work around food fears, because that was me at one, one stage I was down to about 10 foods and Mm -hmm. I'd never been as ill in the whole journey. I was doing, I was doing the food elimination to try and find triggers, but I just found that I was reacting to everything. So the answer isn't just to cut every food out of my diet. It was to, I I wasn't looking deep enough at the time. For me, it was the mold and Lyme disease, even things like parasites that were driving my severe reactions. But me just cutting out food group after food group left me with about 10 food, 10 safe food for years and years. I couldn't eat out. Um, I couldn't have any spices on anything. So it's just like plain chicken, plain Swede was one of the foods. Like, I don't even look at a Swede anymore because I'm like, oh, I'm God. not eating one of those. Ever again. <laughs> I'm like PTSD from Swedes. Um, so yeah, for me, it was the the more that I restricted The more fearful fearful I became, I wasn't fixing the underlying causes and I was just running into more nutrient deficiencies and I was making my body weaker and weaker because I just wasn't getting all of the nutrition and the diversity that I needed. So if I can help anyone today, it would be to clean up your diet and obviously cut out the junk food and the processed food. But if you are struggling with your skin or your periods or your bloating, you want to be mindful of what you're eating if you eat something and you have severe stomach cramps and spasms or you have like a face full of breakouts the next day and you can directly correlate it with that and you've tried it multiple times and you know for definite it is that 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 food that's causing an issue then that's fine you can temporarily eliminate it but if you're getting to the point where you're just guessing and you're not sure and you don't have like clear evidence that it's a problem it is probably best to keep it in and get further help so that you don't have to keep like narrowing down your diet because it just makes it so much harder even to introduce the food back in if you keep removing if you keep cutting stuff out it makes it more difficult for your body to accept that food again because it just becomes like hyper vigilant and it sees everything as a threat everything as dangerous and you're eventually going to start to become intolerant to those foods Mm. that you've you've narrowed yourself down to so if you haven't fixed that inflammation, that leaky gut, that fire, that that problem, then your body's just going to start to react to those foods. And that's yeah, really can be quite challenging, um, very depressing when when you're in it because I was such a foodie as well. And I didn't even want to eat like the junk food. I, I didn't care about that. I just wanted to eat fruits and vegetables and I wanted to put some spice or olive oil on my food. And I, I was having reactions to the food at that point. Some of it was, I think, psychological and just become this like food anxiety. But I was actually having reactions to the food as well. So at that stage, sometimes people need to go into brain rewiring work and really focus on that and to be able to tolerate foods and diversify their diet. And then I feel like it becomes like a snowball effect. The more that you diversify and realize that you survived, nothing bad happened, you you find evidence that you can do it it's a bit more easy to to keep going with that but it can also go the other way like a slippery slope when you you're just desperate to heal and you just feel like food is the enemy when in fact food can be so healing and like beneficial to us obviously
0: yeah yeah can we talk about i'd love you to share a bit more about like gut health stress and the nervous system Mm -hmm. and like how it's linked because I work a lot with stress and like trauma and the nervous system in my work like the mind body connection and I think and, and there's such a link between like the how you feel in yourself and your health and I just find it fascinating how your gut and your gut health is so heavily linked to like stress in your lifestyle and how that is a slippery slope and probably the answer to most people's questions around like why is everyone all of a sudden like struggling with all these things when the reality is not you know the majority of the women that I work with are dealing with stress in some form and like almost this I, I describe it as like living in survival mode where their nervous system, their body is in a constant state of like fight or flight. Talk to us about why stress and that survival mode could also be like linked to poor gut health and how that like knock on effects then happens mm-hmm. with especially hormones, which we'll chat about next as well.
1: Yeah, so there's this two way street it works both ways, so when your, your mental stress is off, or you have a history of trauma, or you have these limiting beliefs, or you have this fast-paced go-go-go lifestyle, then that can affect the gut. So it's, it causes um, things like your peristalsis, your gut motility to slow down. The stress can directly lower the amount of good bacteria that you have, which is your defense your defense system. Um, so protecting you against things like viruses, parasites, bacteria, that goes down and the bad guys, the opportunistic bad bacteria, um, yeast overgrowth, fungus in our body, which we all have naturally, but they can start to proliferate. They start to overgrow when we're in this more stress depleted state. So we end up with more bad, bad gut bugs, um, less gut bug, good gut bugs. Our motility gets messed up. So our food isn't moving through our gut properly. Which can obviously result in constipation, but also diarrhea. That can be like loose stools. You can still have motility issues with that because some parts of the gut it's going really slow, and then the last part it just goes really quick. Um. So yeah, don't think you don't have issues with motility. Guess, just if you have especially
0: loose Thinking of like stressed out people as well. If they're also relying on caffeine to like get oh, yeah. through the day, they yeah. might need the That's caffeine just to, things like, up even more in order to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you do rely on
1: your morning coffee to have a bell movement then you've probably got a problem like you shouldn't have to use something like that to have a bowel movement yes. so yeah just maybe do a little experiment and see see what goes on because some people are just it's just become this daily thing and they don't even think what they're doing mm-hmm. so yeah our brain can affect our gut and that's why we get like the butterflies in our stomach when we're nervous that's a classic example of how the brain affects the gut but it also works the other way around so when we have imbalances in our gut like the bad bacteria the yeast overgrowth parasite infections low stomach acid leaky gut that sends inflammatory signals and messages to the brain so they've even shown this in research now that depression isn't due to low serotonin levels and that's why antidepressants they aren't actually effective they are no more effective than placebo so I, i'm happy that people have found success with them and maybe in their life and some people it saves their life but how much of that is a placebo effect or they have been shown to have more of an anti-inflammatory effect Mm that can be sometimes how they're beneficial um, in the system so it's more depression anxiety mental health problems even things like ocd and um phobias even just just phobias that just don't make sense they can be due to inflammation in the brain which can stem from the gut this is why just talk therapy or just trying to mentally understand your problems often isn't enough and we have to look at what's going on in the, in the gut so even when we we were developing in utero our gut and our brain came from the same tissue so they started as one and then they just separated and they stay connected via the vagus nerve So the vagus nerve is, um, I think it's the longest nerve or maybe the sciatic nerve, I think it's one of the longest nerves in the body, but it stays connected so that our gut and our brain have this like bi-directional relationship. So we were talking before, I think we hit record um, on how sometimes with my clients, I am helping them, like they've done therapy for 10 years. They understand why they behave in certain ways or they understand the trauma that they've been through, but they can't seem to have these breakthroughs and they can't seem to get to the next level. There's something still affecting their health. So when we go in on the physical body level and we start to improve that, they finally in their therapy sessions have this huge revelation and they can finally release this emotion that's been holding them back because you have to be able to physically detox to emotionally detox. But then it works the other way where I have some clients who they'll do anything that I say, they will take every supplement. They will do the diet to a T they will follow every recommendation, but they're still struggling. And it's because they're not addressing the mental stress, emotional part. So it, it depends on where you're at. And most people, um, they're going to have a combination of both. Any symptom you're dealing with, whether it's a migraine or it's pain or it's depression, there's always a physical component and i always believe there's an energetic emotional stress component as well whether it's like a small quote small symptom or something as complex and um, big as cancer or um, alzheimer's something like that so there's always like an energetic component as well so our our gut is where a lot of our nervous system tissue is based so we can't we can't isolate things out and the gut is literally center of our body physically but it's also the center of our health like the epicenter of everything so if there's a old hippocrates quote who's like the father of modern medicine he said all disease begins in the gut but we can go a step deeper and like it all begins in the nervous system because also you can't heal your gut if your nervous system's off you can't heal your gut if you're still stressed out if you're still holding on to this trauma um you can make improvements But for the true healing, um, something like chronic IBS could be you not feeling safe or not feeling secure. This whole like um, solar plexus center, it's all about safety. So people who move around a lot or or have a job that they don't feel set and secure in or like they were bullied as a child, they don't have a strong family community then they can struggle with ibs So, like i can do all of the gut healing in the world but unless you heal that wound that root you're still going to be struggling so yeah there's many different connections and things with hormone health it can come back to gut health in so many different ways but take something like pcos again polycystic ovarian syndrome the the causes of that are blood sugar irregularities so with blood sugar we should be on this nice like up and down throughout the day, goes up a little bit after we've eaten, comes down after we've eaten. Um, this can actually be applied to any hormone problem, something like endometriosis or PMS. So not just PCOS actually, but we should be on this nice like fluid, like little wave throughout the day with blood sugar. When we have gut problems, so when we have bacterial overgrowth, this, this term's called dysbiosis. So basically too many bad guys, not enough good guys. The ecosystem's just a little bit off. Imagine this rainforest in the gut, or this this garden, there's too many weeds, not enough nice plants and flowers. So when we have that problem with too many bad guys, they can cause inflammation in our body and they can cause a lot of stress. And people think of stress as just work stress, financial stress, relationship stress, but there's this huge umbrella term with stress, and it can be it can be structural. So if you have imbalances with your spine because your posture is really bad and your head's like overhanging that causes a lot of stress on the nervous system like i had i realized i uh, going to go into a chiropractor i had a lot of imbalances in my neck and i was making it worse with my job because i was I, I realized when i was watching my zoom videos back my head was like right up front on the screen i was like oh god so i i tried to remind yeah. myself to like sit back and make sure my neck's not facing forward when you're eating you want to make sure that your posture's nice so you're not like slumped over you can let your food move through but um yeah stress can be structural it can be um it can be unstable blood sugar if your blood sugar's up spiking crashing all throughout the day that is stressful to the body that can literally sense someone into a panic attack i used to have like crazy blood sugar swings um and i realized like if i ate something i felt better people mm-hmm. know about being hungry hungry and angry but they would never connect like the panic attack or the constant anxiety with unstable blood sugar all throughout the day another form of stress can be like spiritual stress or probably all the stuff that you talk about emotional stress all of that's very obvious but it could also be having a chronic low-grade infection in your body so if you have parasite infections just under the surface it's not causing life-threatening reactions every day but it's just it's like having 50 tabs open on your iphone it's just going to drain the battery it's just going to steal your nutrients they love things like minerals they love your magnesium and your iron so they just rob you of all of that that good stuff um and another stress could be eating gluten and you are sensitive to it that can be a stress so i I look at it from all different angles in the body but um yeah if you have hormone problems then you want to look at basically everything else before the actual hormone problem if you think of an iceberg The tip of the iceberg, what you see and what you focus on, are things like PMS, my periods are really heavy, um, my breasts quadruple in size before my period, I'm a complete bitch, my mood's like all over the place. Those are the things that we focus on, but that's the tip of the iceberg. What we want to look at is under the surface, these huge um, factors like your gut health is a huge one. Um, Another way that gut affects hormones is through detoxification. So once we use a hormone like estrogen, it needs to be gotten rid of properly. If it's not, it actually becomes more like a toxin. It just recirculates. Our body doesn't need it once it's been used to build the uterine lining. It needs to get out of the system. It doesn't want to be lingering, hanging around, floating around, causing issues. Um, so our body sends it to the liver. The liver packages it up. It gets sent to the bowels, and it should come out through our poop, basically. So if we are constipated... Or some people have this bacterial overgrowth in the, in the intestines that kind of get that oestrogen parcel, that package, and sends it back into circulation. So imagine it like a nice little ribbon with a bow on it from the liver, gets into the bowels ready to go, these bacteria get at it, open up the package and allow the oestrogen to recirculate. Um, and then the final way that gut can affect hormones is through nutrient deficiencies. So if we have parasites and they're stealing our iron, or our magnesium, or we have low stomach acid and we're not absorbing zinc or calcium properly, then we basically don't have the building blocks to make hormones properly. So we need nutrients to make hormones, use hormones, and get rid of hormones. That's a a very energy and nutrient-intensive process. It requires a ton of vitamins, minerals, amino acids from proteins, cholesterol from healthy fats, so if our diet's limited and we're not intaking enough because we've we're trying to be like super healthy or we've restricted our diet so much that we're down to ten foods, then we're not even going to get enough in. Or it's just that our absorption's off and we have bacterial imbalances and all of these other problems that often go together. Like if you have bacterial liver growth, so you're probably going to have leaky gut. You're probably going to have parasites. Um, so it doesn't really matter what the exact problem is for a lot of people. Most people have a little bit of everything but we also need to fix that problem so that we start absorbing our food better when my gut was there was a point where my gut was like really unhealthy um but i was eating a ton of organic food like everything i ate was organic the best meat the best veg in the world i'd spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds every month on my food and my supplements it's a very expensive process, but I tested my nutrients and I was still depleted in literally every nutrient. I was like, this is ridiculous because I'm trying so hard. But at that point, I hadn't done any deep work on my gut. I was more just, oh, let me take this probiotic or let me take this, um, let me do this restrictive diet and get some short-term relief, but not actually getting like long-term success.
0: Yeah, I just, I find like the gut health stuff so fascinating because because of the link with like trauma, stress and mental health. And I've noticed a massive difference this year in like the most basic shit, like eating more protein and like eating protein, fiber, you know, veg, mm-hmm. like before eating Like a refined carbohydrate, or like a bit of chocolate, or whatever it might be, and not going on that blood sugar roller coaster, like you were saying. Like, where if I, if and when I do that, I do notice. Like, I might feel more anxiety, and the irony of it is that in society we're conditioned to like, oh, I've frozen. Can you still see me? I can still hear you,
1: but it's frozen.
0: Although yeah, I think I'm back um the irony is that in society again like we're conditioned as women to be like oh like you have a shit period or like you have really bad period pains or periods of shit like go and eat loads of chocolate like Mm. feel better yeah and i've totally been on that like vicious cycle in the past where yeah like the food i'm eating is making me more anxious but it's like as soon as I realized that and learned about it I couldn't unsee it in the same way that like someone who starts doing meditation every morning it's like before feeling stressed out in the morning was like they're normal and then when they don't meditate they're like oh now I feel stressed oh wait maybe I just (laughs) always felt stressed before I started doing meditation
1: (laughs) yeah I see these like on TikTok um people these like perfect seemingly perfect boyfriends who go to the shops and get the there's one who like makes the girlfriend this like gift basket every month for her period (laughs) um and he puts like candles in there or like a dvd and a book i'm like that's cute but then he puts in like ben and jerry's ice cream and like this huge galaxy bar of chocolate i'm like that's not actually gonna help her or it might give her brain a little bit of a dopamine hit but then she's probably going to have more pain in her cycle. She's probably, it's just going to drag it out for longer. That's going to impact your next cycle because everything has a knock-on effect too. So it's fine having some chocolate and a piece of cake every now and again, but you can do little things like you said, um, maybe go for a walk afterwards or if you're doing a strength training session in the morning, can you time your little cupcake treat after that just so your body can like use the sugars better? And someone once commented, when i said some of this stuff they're like that's so disordered i was like it's not because i'm doing this out of a place of compassion for my body and my metabolism struggles a little bit more than maybe yours does but i i do these things so if i went to a restaurant i would make sure to to have like a um i'd have the serving of vegetables i'd eat the protein first i'd eat the carbs afterwards i'd go for a little walk afterwards i'd try and get in a workout that day not out of a place of trying to burn off the calories and trying to support my body and be just smart with it because i I know what the impacts of that is um there's also this trend in the, the wellness world that i want to talk about with intuitive eating in some ways it's like really beneficial but in other in other ways like that would have never served me early on in my health journey because if i was listening to my cravings i would be eating sugar and stuff that my body was sensitive to all day every day i'd be like oh i want a cupcake now oh i actually want this and i was on such a blood sugar roller coaster and i had such a candida yeast overgrowth in my body that they were they were the things that were craving the sugar and it was actually making me worse so now I can intuitively eat because I don't have them problems but I also there's also like your I don't know if it's like the ego or something but sometimes I think I'll want something but I'll eat like a steak and some potatoes first with some like butter and vegetables and I'm like I actually didn't want that it was just like I thought I was missing out on something and my body was like maybe craving a little bit of a dopamine hit again and what I actually needed was protein or maybe to drink a glass of water or maybe to, like, listen to my emotions in that moment. What am I actually needed? Yeah. Not just reaching for the cupcake, because that's what we're told to do when we're sad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like I've been on a whole journey with that that I've like documented on the podcast on solo episodes where, yeah, like. Oh, I've had a stressful day, or I've had a difficult situation in work, or whatever. Oh, how convenient! All of a yeah. sudden, I fancy some chocolate. Or I find any excuse. Yeah, like for someone else, it might be oh, I fancy a glass of wine, or whatever it is. And it, I think we've, and it's like finding that happy medium again, isn't it? Where it's not about never having these things and being really strict and blah blah blah, but it's also like is it coming from a, is the decision coming from a place of love? And like, is it like, how I would describe it is like, is it a soul craving? Mm. Like, is it going to make your soul happy? Or is it like your your fear and that survival response, that fight or flight, like anxiety brain, just needing like something in that moment to norm or to feel better? Yeah. If I'm at a restaurant
1: now and they'll have, a cheesecake on the menu if i'm really in the mood for it and i've i've nourished my body with the the other the other meals and i choose to have it sometimes i also just want two bites of it sometimes yeah. there'll, there'll be a point where i'll have like two bites and I'll feel like that's okay like i'm good i don't want any more but i'll feel like i have to finish it and it actually makes me feel worse on the other end where i could have just like boxed it up taken it away or shared it with other people but I just, I think because the food is like addictive as well, that combination of sweet and fatty and salty, uh, our primitive brains just see that as like stock up now on as much food as you can, because food could dis- disappear at any point. We're still in that very caveman brain uh, where we see these like bright colors and like with Pringles, once you pop, you can't stop. It does hit centers of our brain that leave us wanting more, but yeah if there's a a day that you really want that cheesecake dessert and you want to finish the whole thing that's great if you can support your body and do some of the things i mentioned before and just enjoy it and and like taste it and just be in the moment and be really present don't beat yourself up afterwards you don't need to like skip the next meal just because you've eaten that but also when you're doing that listen to your body and if after two bites you feel okay then you don't have to eat the rest of it um i was like growing up when I'd eat with my my nan she was like never leave any food on your plate and I was like Mm. full to the brim and so I just feel like there's some people that just really don't like food waste so I'm one of them but just with serving sizes and everything you just need to listen to your body more and I really struggle with that early on in my health journey because I think we're taught to not listen and we're taught to outsource our health to other people and my my intuition was very clouded and affected for so long because my my brain just wasn't functioning properly but now i've i've really noticed over the years as i got physically healthier my intuition and my spirituality and my like even things like witchiness and my dreams and my premonitions have started to come back online again i lost a lot of my powers when i was um when i was really sick so it's just really interesting to see as you support your physical vessel you can actually be more tapped in and more more spiritual
0: Mm -hmm. love that (laughs) i feel like a really great place to start wrapping up is like some really practical next steps that are gonna help like most people listening and i know i know if someone's listening and they're actually they're really struggling with their health on a daily basis and weekly basis like they need to just come and work with you to find out the root cause but for everyone let's talk about some practical like things that you find are really beneficial for m- the majority of women so let's start with like three to five things that are really are really like daily habits and almost like shifts that you've made in your day-to-day that have benefited your health the okay, most cool. as a woman i have about 100 so oh, no, got health, like <laughs> okay that kind of overall stuff
1: yeah so i'd say um my morning routine is a big one so this is starting my day with how i mean it to go on so if i start i i used to wake up with anxiety like as soon as i opened my eyes my heart would be racing and I didn't even have a stressful job or anything. This was purely physiological. So with anxiety, it can be something external, something that you're not um, coping with or a relationship problem or anything. But mine was like the fact that I had parasites, severe magnesium deficiency. It it was just taking over my body. But yeah, the, the morning routine is a big one. Um, I start with like gratitude or journaling and switch it up. Depends on how I'm feeling, meditation, but... I think when you start your day in a calm way, it really makes a huge difference, especially to your digestion. So there's some people, and they used to be like this when I was studying because it was just a whole day, um, like nine till six, I and I'd have to travel into Manchester, so that's like an extra hour with travel. And because I was on such a restricted diet at the time, I had to prep a ton of food, so I was up really early, I feel like the whole morning was just really stressed, and I would often be constipated that whole day just because I Mm. didn't have a relaxed, slow morning that I really needed. Um, So I feel like starting your day in a calm way, whatever that is for you, but you can do things like visualization, EFT tapping, you can do um, meditation, you can do some journaling, but even if it's for five minutes, breath work, whatever, starting a day on a calm note, I think that's really important. Um, Next thing would be... Getting daylight into your eyes as soon as possible, so opening up your curtains, your blinds, and if you can, just stand if you don't have an outdoor space, like just stand at your window as it's open for five minutes, or if you do have a garden, can you go and like stand outside in your dressing gown in your slippers and just have the light come into your eyes? you don't want to directly stir at the sun, but that is so regulating to your hormone system, your body clock, your circadian rhythm, as it's called, so. We as women are on a average 28 day cycle. So we're very influenced by the sun, the moon, the light, the dark. And that's why a lot of women tend to cycle, have the ovulation around a similar time or have the period at a similar time of month. And it's because we are very influenced by that. So getting light first thing from the sun instead of our devices and our iPhone light directly glaring in our face, that blue light is very strong. Um, and even if it's a a winter's day and it doesn't look bright outside, that spectrum of light is still there, and it's the exact spectrum of light that you need at seven eight a m to trigger certain hormones. So if you have like mini light breaks throughout the day because the the light that's coming off your iPhone or your laptop is like the same, it's constant all throughout the day. It's probably like light at two p m so if you wake up and the light that you first get in your eyes, you scroll in on Instagram it's kind of telling your brain it's the middle of the day so you're going to be producing the wrong hormones certain ones aren't going to be activated certain ones aren't going to be shut off and if that carries on throughout the day our cortisol our our stress hormones should be lowering as the day goes on it's normal for it to be high in the morning to get us out of bed give us that energy to get up and go but then as the day goes on it should dwindle um but again if you're looking at your phone till 10 o'clock at night you've still got that bright light in your eyes that's telling your body it's daytime and to produce cortisol this is where sleep issues come in or just the quality of your sleep isn't going to be good because if you're waking up tired that's a sign that your sleep's quality is bad even if you've been in bed for 10 hours the qu- you, you need to wake up feeling refreshed so getting light breaks throughout the day from the sun just standing outside if you have a phone call to make can you go outside or just stand in your garden um or if you work in an office can you just go outside for five minutes for a little break people who smoke they can go outside so can we just go out for a little light break instead of a, a sig break mm-hmm. and then i'd say with meals um, the blood sugar balancing is really key so what you said protein um, healthy carbs healthy fats in there but i think protein is one that people overlook a lot and it really needs to be emphasised more specifically animal protein. I'm not a fan of um, vegan diets. Vegetarian, it can be better because they can get sources from dairy and eggs. But I feel like vegan diets are problematic, and I f- I, I do feel like they're dangerous because most people don't do them. Um, they're not even planning them properly properly. And I do feel like there's well, there are nutrients in animal protein that you just cannot get from plants. Um, things like cholesterol things like retinol which is vitamin a it's not the same as beta carotene from carrots and um, they're completely different so i believe a healthy human body should have some animal protein with vegetables and with the plant proteins if you want them but i, I do see a lot of people running into health issues and i feel like it's going to be more obvious over the next few years yeah um, unfortunately Everyone,
0: when everyone's yeah. obsessed with like yeah. oat, oat milk and... i know Oh, oh, God. <laughs>
1: please avoid the oat milk i drink raw <laughs> milk so it's straight from the cow and my health has never been better i did have to come off dairy for for ages because i was reacting to it but now that i've healed my gut my body loves dairy and it actually clears my skin whereas before it caused acne mm. and there's a big difference with quality so i'd say buy the quality stuff whatever you have access to whatever you can afford it's worth putting in that extra of money for the quality because there's a big difference between like semi-skimmed cravendale milk the one that you can just get from the supermarket versus a raw organic uh, milk from a local farm they're just i feel like they're completely different foods the raw milk is more like a living food it has the probiotics the enzymes in it's how nature designed it Um, the pasteurization process just gets rid of all of that stuff and that's what makes it more allergenic for a lot of people it's like the body doesn't recognize mm-hmm. it anymore. Um, but yeah, I would much prefer someone doing cow's dairy, even if it's the the less lesser quality kind, I'd still rather that. I'd still rather someone eat non-organic chicken than the beyond meat burgers. I just don't even recognize that as food. And your body probably won't either. I'd say protein, you want to be aiming for probably minimum hundred grams a day, honestly, which might seem a lot. Um but with the people that I'm working with they just feel so much better it helps with muscle muscle growth um, which is one of the best things for regulating your metabolism your longevity even as you get older you you need more muscle on your frame for protection against injuries and falls and um, cognitive decline a lot of people just feel way more satiated. Like if you're struggling with sugar cravings, if you just go and eat like a big serving of protein, like a big steak or some chicken thighs, then I'm, or like three eggs, I'm sure that that craving is going to be gone. So just give that a go, especially at breakfast. If you're just eating one egg or two eggs and a piece of toast, then that's still not enough. You want to be aiming for about th- at least 30 grams of protein per meal. So you can do some like simple tracking. There's apps like MyFitnessPal these days that help you see if you are triggered by numbers and tracking then that's fine just just go off like each meal has a good serving of protein whether that's chicken turkey beef fish eggs seafood um dairy products any of that stuff
0: when i was starting to track my protein again i started by just putting the actual protein number in my notes app in my iphone Mm
1: because at the time
0: i was like i don't give a shit how many calories i'm eating i just want to make sure i'm eating like you were saying 100 for me it's like 100 to 120 Mm -hmm. grams so that's a good tip for anyone listening if you don't want to be looking at calories and that Um, goes up if you are if you're working out as well your needs will
1: increase even further Um, so i'd say absolute minimum like if you're really petite tiny five foot really slender um maybe 80 grams might be enough for you but like for me, I'm 5'11". I am strength training like three to five times a week. Um, I'm looking to build muscle and support my metabolism. So I'm like some days it's like 150 grams of protein. Honestly, I can and uh, like calories. I feel like calories are, they're important. I think a myth in the holistic world as well is like calories don't matter. Well, they do because at one point I was eating like 3000 calories unknowingly and it was all from like coconut oil i was just putting butter and oil and olive oil and almond butter and everything that i was eating and they do add up but they're also not the only important thing so there's these pts online that say if you're not losing weight it's because you're you're lying to yourself and you are eating more you're cheating you're doing something wrong you must be getting extra calories from somewhere but those people are often struggling with their thyroid and Calorie, is, calorie in versus calories out doesn't apply to them because the hormone system is off. Um, but it, it's not just calories don't matter at all. It can't just go the other way. They're important, but it's not the only thing that I'd consider. With clients, if if the main thing working with me is weight loss, um, I'll happily support them if, if it is an actual problem. They're not just struggling with like, body image issues or they think that they should be... The same weight as what they were when they were 15 i'll really help to unpack is this really in alignment is this what you really want or is this something deeper but i will happily help them with the weight loss goals and we will do all of the foundational things and often by not even focusing on the weight loss it it happens as a side benefit so we work on the gut health we work on the minerals we check the thyroid first and then the weight often just comes off effortlessly without even focusing but there are some cases where that still doesn't work, and we have to go deeper. Maybe we do have to like look at macros, or we do have to look at calories. But that's less common, actually. But that's a, what what people usually start with. Yeah. So yeah, there is a, a way around it. It's by focusing on so focus on weight loss holistically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So morning routine. Mm-hmm. Light on your eyeballs in the yeah. morning, preferably outside. Yeah blood sugar balance specifically
1: like protein protein increase um then i'd say like movement is important but that's another thing that doesn't mean the more the better because exercise is another stress so if you're already stressed if you've had a completely crazy work week there's stuff going on in your personal life you've just recovered from a virus and then you're trying to like kill it at the gym at 5 a.m that workout probably isn't going to benefit you. I would rather you have an extra hour in bed, honestly, Yeah. for that phase that you're in at the moment. Even yeah. around your menstrual cycle, you don't have to do the same thing every day with your workout. You can be more cyclical with it. You can listen to your body. If you've had a really bad night's sleep the night before, you don't have to do that same workout that you had planned Um because it might actually backfire and you're probably just going to cause more stress. You might injure yourself you're not listening to your body um but I actually I was going the other way and I was like procrastinating and not going to the gym for a little bit because I was yeah. like oh I'm starting my period in like 12 days so <laughs> <laughs> I'll just not push it uh, or like my I have an aura ring so I track my recovery and everything and if yeah. it's like very slightly low, I was like oh I, I need to rest today
0: yeah so I yeah. had
1: to do some mindset work and I was like no I'm just being lazy um, let me actually <laughs> tap in And I actually did some like techniques on that. I think I did like a swish pattern technique where I saw myself going to the gym and felt how good I was going to feel. And since that, I've been like so motivated to go and I just love working out now. So there is a nice fine line with that as well, where sometimes you just have to be real with yourself and listen to your intuition, but also know that we have this like little protective voice in our head that wants to keep us small and keep us a little bit lazy, a little bit safe. And um, so we have to like push outside of our comfort zone sometimes.
0: Yeah. yeah. And even like weightlifting in the gym is a perfect example of how like every weightlifting session can be different mm-hmm. and I can do the same exercises, you know, three, four days before I'm due on my period, than I've done the week before and it'll just be the case that the week before I might push myself more mm. to lift, to add some more weight onto the barbell. A few days before my period, I'm not pushing myself to do that. I'm not saying, oh, you need to hit a fucking PB or whatever Mm -hmm. that week. So, this even like within your workouts, it can be more gentle, can't it? Like, compared to what I used to do, it feels like I'm doing nothing now. Like, when I go
1: to the gym now, I can be in like half an hour. Um, I'm not sweaty at all, but I've like worked my muscles. Whereas before, I would be in minimum one hour, I'd have to be red face, sweating absolutely exhausted for it to be considered a workout which is yeah. just like crazy to me now yeah. I, I hardly ever do workouts like that anymore and i'm fitter yeah. than i've ever been
0: yeah
1: Love that. So i'd say i'd say the movement even with some of my clients i'd rather them just go for a walk outside because then they're regulating the nervous system walking is still like an amazing workout as well um you're getting the sunlight the fresher Um, bonus points if you can do it without headphones or listening to anything and just clear your head at the same time um or even like lower impact things like pilates like i'm a huge fan of that now um some people yoga is a good starting point because that combines the spirituality the mindfulness practice at the same time so i'd say movement is a big one try and move your body every day in some way but also listen to what you're enjoying and what feels good and you don't be afraid of switching it up you don't have to stick to this like rigid plan every day and then the final one i'd say is um about environmental toxins and just be mindful of what you're not only what you're eating but what you're using on your body and in your homes because a lot of these chemicals found in skincare products deodorants pesticides from non-organic food the hormone disruptors they're called endocrine disruptors and they are microscopic so we can't see them but they enter in through our skin or through our food and they interfere with our hormones. So sometimes they can block hormones or sometimes they can proliferate and stimulate hormones. So this is part of the reason that conditions like infertility are on the rise, um, is because yeah, this is happening like at such a tiny level, but it, it affects us systemically. So some of these ingredients might've even been studied in isolation, but they've not been studied when combined with 50 other ingredients in the same product. And so they'll say this, this is fine. This doesn't cause cancer. They might have studied it for five years, but who knows what's going to happen after 50 years of exposure combined. And when it has this synergistic effect with all of these other toxic ingredients. So some of them are man-made, some of them are natural with, with my history and the mold exposure that is considered a toxin. And yes, it is natural, but it was, unnatural with the fact that there'd been water damage in the home and that level of mold should not have been in my living space. And it was completely invisible. It was under the floor of the house, um, under the crawl space, a pipe had burst, hadn't been dealt with properly. We kind of forgot about it. And then everyone in the house started to get sick in their own ways. So these sneaky little things, is why I'm a huge fan of air filters in the home. Even if you don't think you have a problem, you want to be preventative and you just want to do everything that you can to avoid that so it cleans the air of all different things like pollen even so if you struggle with allergies hay fever um, and just everyday pollutants that's in the air they've done studies now even with indoor air being more toxic than outdoor air because of our furniture and off gassing and our mattresses I found that
0: fascinating yeah. when you said that because mm-hmm. we live on a main road so i'm like I would have kept our windows shut like during rush hour thinking oh there's pollution coming mm-hmm. in but now like after following you I'm like every morning <laughs> every single window yeah, in the yeah. house like, yeah you okay, can you maybe you can time it so maybe in rush hour winter. you keep them
1: closed but the rest of the day when it's a bit yeah. quieter just let the air circulate let the air flow um yeah it's done to things like even modern day buildings how they're designed the lack of airflow how they're how they're so energy efficient they're just keeping everything tightly and the uh, the buildings can't breathe properly like they used to be able to. So that yeah, that's just open my eyes to like a whole like a, a building <laughs> expert now after everything that I've had to learn. Um uh, but I'm definitely not. Um and yeah, just things like water filters invested we were talking about that when you came to mind like water filters are a huge thing as well we should be drinking ideally liters of water like two three liters of water a day so if you're drinking water that's got fluoride in or chlorine um, or residue from medication so Mm. those things don't get filtered out so all the women in, in the uk um on birth control pills or antidepressants they're urinating into the toilet that water gets cleaned up as well as it can but it doesn't filter out medications so we're having trace amounts of those things every single day so i think like the foundations of health are clean air clean food and clean water and if you can clean those up as best as you can you're going to be pretty pretty good but it it takes time i don't expect people to completely detox the house and throw everything out and buy fresh it will take time it'll just be next time you need a new deodorant can you buy one that's not got aluminium in there that's going to clog your pores up and add this like fragrance into the body that is cold word for chemical basically the the word fragrance unless it says from a natural source is cold word for over three thousand different things than it could be yeah. so it's a pretty pretty scary world and it is worse in other countries like america compared to the uk is really bad for for regulations uk is a little bit better but still not enough i, d-
0: I don't think mm. yeah you've just answered my last question which was going to be like do you recommend like small swaps like one thing at a time yeah yeah. absolutely it depends on someone's
1: personality some people like i'm an all or nothing person let's (laughs) just do it let me just (laughs) donate everything to like a food bank or a charity and i'm like go for it because yeah i really don't like waste so i don't want people being wasteful and just getting rid of everything in the bin but um yeah some people are just like I've been sick for so long. Let me just do everything that you're saying, and they'll mm. they'll stick to it to a T. Whereas other people, they need like little small swaps.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've worked really hard on like food, but done nothing with like products, like skincare, mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah and some things like, like your.
1: Steps. If you're washing your shampoo out after 10 seconds, that's less important than a moisturizer that you're slapping all over your body. Yeah. I'll and like that's soaking into your skin. So you can yeah. just like pick your battles. Like for me, I'll still wear like a bro bro pencil, bro gel that's like glossier. It's completely conventional, but it's because it, it works. And I, I've not found a more natural one that is better. But the rest of my makeup is pretty like clean, non-toxic. So if you've got one product that you absolutely love, then don't feel like you're doing something wrong. Like just yeah. clean up all the other stuff. And it's about your overall toxic load, your toxic bucket. Like sometimes I'll get my I'll get a lash lift. I'll get my eyelashes done. And like that's not the most natural thing in the world, but I do so many other positive things that it's kind of like all balances out. And I, I don't want to be this perfectionist person because I I've been at the point where I've been so restricted. And it's so depressing and made me so unhappy that now I can I can tolerate these things. I just want to live and I'll have a few drinks every now and again and I'll I'll will i I'll enjoy it and I'll feel good. I won't wanna like purposely get drunk anymore because that just makes me feel bad and I don't want to do that to my body. But it doesn't have to be that I don't ever drink alcohol again. Like there's a, a middle ground that I like to live in.
0: Yeah, love that amazing thank you so much for sharing thanks for having me and i yeah i i feel like my philosophy and approach is like one thing nail that thing then add in another thing so i just think if anyone listening is like oh my god there's so many things that i want to do there's so many things i've picked up my recommendation would be re-listen to this and maybe jot down in your apple notes app Um, or android equivalent what like has jumped out to you that you want to change and then one thing at a time you know one off box box off and
1: then on to the next
0: yeah yeah i'd
1: agree
0: vivian please will you share how people can find you how they can work with you at the moment um this podcast is probably going to be coming out in the next couple weeks Mm -hmm. so if you've got I know you've got a group program coming up and then you've also obviously got one-to-one work so mm-hmm. let us know more info next steps on. yeah so my
1: website is naturalhealth.co.uk. so that's v-i-v-a natural health same with instagram at vivanaturalhealth facebook tiktok if you're on there and I have a podcast so Kat's going to be on the podcast I'm not sure if it's going to be out this month so just keep keep an eye open and um, that's called hormones in Harmony. So I talk about all of these subjects in just way more detail. So morning routines and stress management and movement and the protein side of things. If you want a deeper dive into all of these things I've touched on today, then you can listen to the podcast. I've got years of episodes on there. I think we're up to like almost 200, which is crazy and working with me. So yeah, there's going to be a group program launching. It'll be a month today actually. So we're recording on the 18th of September. So it'll be 18th of October. That's when the first live group call is. So there's only going to be limited spaces of that. So I'm not sure if there's going to be availability. Um, you can check. But I'm only taking on 10 women for that. It's a beta test round. And that's going to be on balancing the physical body and incorporating more of the energetic, emotional, spiritual manifesting part of it as well, which I love and I wish I would have known out about sooner in my health journey. And yeah, if the space available, I would love to have you on there. And then for one-to-one work, um, that is my root cause relief package. That'll be us working together closely for six months, which is a really good amount of time. The the group is six weeks, this is six months. So it depends on, do you just want to like step your toes in or do you want the, you've done all of the other groups and you just want that personalized support and the lab tests, then the root cause relief package is going to be the go-to. So I can send you the links, Kat, and you can put them in the show notes and
0: people can just click if they're interested. Yes, amazing, I will do. And I'll be sure to share my episode when it comes out on yours as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can definitely yeah. do that. So- yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you so much. I'm already like, right, you need to come for a part two because <laughs> I feel like I've asked questions that I want other people to know, and I'm mm. like, what? So, so maybe we need to do a part two but oh, yeah, all, absolutely. Of, all of my questions. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just directly for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you probably don't even Eric, it, just your own little consultation. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, no I appreciate you coming in whenever you wish. <laughs> Thank you. I'll so be the resident nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And thank you, ladies, so much for listening. Please tag us in your stories, like screenshot your podcast app, all of that good stuff. Let us know you found this helpful. Maybe eye-opening, mind-blowing, like you've picked up some tips. And keep in touch with me as well. Like if you have any, you know, you might make a change from this episode and in a month's time you're like, oh my God, that podcast, I did this and it made such a difference. Please share like and i'll definitely pass on to vivian like any any wins any like takeaways from this
1: i would love that
0: yeah and thank you so much I'll you're see-
1: welcome thanks you. Kat.